Well, you know what that sound means, folks. It is about that time. Right here on KDNK, you are tuned in to Everything Under the Sun, the Sopra Sun's weekly radio program right here on the best music station, radio station on this side of the Mississippi, KDNK Studio. I'm your host today, James Steinler, and I'm here with my co-host, Gus Richardson. How are you doing, Gus? I am all right. How are you, James? Doing fantastic. Thanks for joining me today, bud. Gus is one of our youth journalists and um, a developing professional journalist, I would say. I hope. He's <laughs> <laughs> doing a great job. Um, actually, there, he had an op-ed, uh, what was it, two weeks ago in the newspaper? Or yeah, we... about. Okay. Uh, about the library issues, uh, so give that a read if you still have a copy of last week's newspaper. Otherwise, um, go online to SoperSun.com and search for Gus, Gus Richardson. <laughs> um, we have a very special guest today, as we always do on Everything Under the Sun. We have Mr. Jeff Turry um, with, excuse me, West Elk Mountain Rescue. How are you, Jeff? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, thank you so much for joining Gus and I today on Everything Under the Sun. Yeah, you bet. So the reason we have you here today, Jeff, is because um, West Elk Mountain Rescue has just um, successfully uh, completed two rescue missions at the end of September. Yeah, yeah, two in quick succession. (laughs) Yeah, they were uh, literally uh, a day apart. (laughs) Yeah, just (laughs) back-to-back, hours apart, really. (laughs) Okay, Um, wild. So... um, I, I want to get into those. Uh, those both uh, occurred at what would it have been in Gunnison County? Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, out in the wilderness. Um, so uh, I want to get into that. First, let's just hear a little bit about West uh, Elk Mountain Rescue. Uh, when did it get started? Um, and what sort of, is it a nonprofit or how is that structured? Yeah. Yeah, so West Elk Mountain Rescue started, I believe it was 1996, and it was, you know, from what I know, it was a group of cowboys and hunters, basically, who were, you know, working and living and hunting in the area, which is kind of the northern and western part of Gunnison County, and most of the population centers in Gunnison County are on the other side of the mountains over in Crested Butte and Gunnison, and so there's kind of this gap in coverage for for emergency services in the backcountry back there. And they were mm-hmm. obviously seeing that. And so they put together a group. And uh, so, yeah, we, we uh, operate under Gunnison County Sheriff. We're not, we're not a part of the sheriff's office. You know, we're a independent nonprofit, but we have a working agreement with the sheriff. And, you know, essentially they call the shots. And, and, but most of the time we're working pretty independently with their oversight. Okay, very cool. Um, so how does it come to you all, uh, when there is a call, does it go through dispatch first? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, the call comes in whichever way, you know, in these calls we're going to talk about, they both came in originally through some form of satellite communication, either an inReach or one of the new fancy, uh, iPhones. And then those calls usually go to a, like a national or a worldwide dispatch center, you know, whatever that, um, that company's using, and then it gets funneled to the correct county, which for us is Gunnison County. Um, and that goes to the dispatch. They talk to the sheriff, uh, assign a deputy to run the call, 
and then they give us a call and, and that comes through to us kind of in a mass text app, you know, and we all get a big buzz on our phones and we start putting together a response. So cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, about how many people are generally are, well, how many people are, are they all volunteers first off? Okay. They are all volunteers. Yeah. Okay. We're how many yeah. are there approximately about 35, 40 at any given time, okay. you know? Um, yeah, so we're all volunteers, you know, we're not funded by the county or anything like mm-hmm. that. We're funded by flipping burgers and, you know, tending bar and having a tip jar and, That's awesome. you know, the occasional uh, state grant, that sort of thing. Very cool. How many people typically go on, on a rescue mission or does it uh, depend? You know, it varies. Um, these last two were both around 10 people out on the mission. Uh, if... You know, if we have some idea of what's going to be going on out there, we try to we'll try to cater it. You know, if we're not getting enough people out, we'll we'll hit up more folks and and get a bigger response. And just you know, we we try to call it based on what the information is that's coming in. Okay. Yeah. So, how about you? How did you get <laughs> connected to the group? Yeah. So you know, I I joined the group. I think it was just in 2020, so three or four years ago. Um, and a buddy of mine in town was like, Hey, you should come. Uh, and so I showed up to my first meeting pretty soon. I, you know, I, there was a a vacant secretary position and I was like, yeah, I could probably do that. So I did that for a while. And then, um, our awesome ex president, Ira Housework stepped down to focus more on, focus more on his work. And, uh, I picked up that spot, so that's what I'm currently doing. So what type of training is required to join? Yeah, so our team usually has two trainings a month, and we hope that everybody can get there. We understand if people can't get to everyone. Um, You know, honestly, most of search and rescue work is just being a good team member. It's just getting out in the field, working together as a team, when there's more technical stuff to do, whether it involves ropes or machines, uh, the folks that are running that or coordinating that team are, are more highly skilled at it. And we try to get everybody trained up on, on all the things that we do. Uh, so there's, there's a variety of trainings and specialties on the team mm-hmm. and then two trainings a month. Yeah. So that brings up, um, is, are these rescues normally what your team does or is there like other, <laughs> sorry, sure. is there yeah. like other things that fall under your umbrella of influence? Mostly it's rescues, you know, and, and it seems like these days less people are getting lost. There's mm. technologies making it easier f- to not get lost right. and more involve an injury or some sort of medical emergency. So that's usually what we're up to. Um, Excuse me a second. Yeah, that's usually what we're up to. You know, we will assist uh, other counties. Other counties will assist us. You know, strange things can happen, and we're an available group of people. Uh, but mostly it is backcountry rescue, and most of our rescues happen in wilderness areas, so mostly non-motorized areas. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So let's get into uh these two recent rescues sure um the first one happened on september 29th uh could you tell us how that came to your attention and uh what transpired 
Yeah, so we got a call on September 29th about midday. I think it was about 1.15 or 1.30 that a backpacker had injured, maybe broken their ankle on the four-pass loop that some people over here might be familiar with. And part of that loop is in Gunnison County, and uh, that was where this uh, person injured their ankle. And they were over near Geneva Lake, if folks know where that is. It's behind Marble. You access it through Marble. And they were able to get a call out uh, via a, I think it was an inReach that time, but a GPS communication. You know, so that, that went through the process we talked about earlier through dispatch mm-hmm. to us. We started assembling a team, you know, and then we drive up there, we drive to Marble, unload a couple of side-by-sides to get up the trickier part, which is about an hour of, of tougher road on an, you know, off-road and then get to the trailhead, get our gear together, which for this, you know, for an ankle, for somebody that can't walk, is a, is a litter with a mountain bike wheel on it and, a, you know, a brake as well. So that's, that's kind of our bread and butter, that, that litter with a mountain bike wheel on it. A, a, a litter? Yeah. So what does that look like? Sorry. A litter is like <laughs> a stretcher. You okay. know, it's, mm. it's an uncomfortable board to lay on that will strap you onto. Okay. <laughs> Put a helmet on you. Okay. And uh, have a team of folks haul you up and down a trail it's it's quite a process it's something to see yeah and i don't know this sounds scary are you ever (laughs) frightened on these that rescue in particular we were going down some pretty steep pretty slippery terrain so you know we take it slow uh we make sure there's good communication happening um you're putting all your muscle into it you know so you're just you're just trying to go at a good pace you're trying to be efficient but safe and uh, usually have somebody ahead looking at the terrain you're going into, kind of calling back, like, okay, this seems like a good way. And, you know, we're lucky enough. Part of the reason originally we needed a team over there is because it's pretty remote terrain. It's it's pretty far from, from where the other awesome Gunnison search and rescue teams operate. So we usually have a few people who know the terrain, and that really helps. It helps us choose our route in and out and mm-hmm. try to find the safest way. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so this, this litter or, um, yeah. the, it, it kind of sounds almost like a wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy wheelbarrow. Sure. Yeah. Um, though, so I imagine do you all, you said there is about 10 of you who responded to mm-hmm. each of these calls. Uh, will you all like, switch off and yeah. take turns? Yeah. You know, and at, at bare minimum, you can run it with two people if you're on flat okay. terrain and everything's good. One person in the front or one person in the back. Okay. And you can cover some ground doing that. And then once you get into trickier terrain, uh, we'll have four or six people on it. A lot of times we're going up over logs and trees and down boulders and things like that. And so you're, you know, you're kind of creating a safety net around this litter and just moving it down however you can. You know, it's just being creative and getting down. Hmm. Yeah. Um, was that person, uh, that you rescued for this first rescue near Geneva Lake, yeah. um, were they, uh, um, were they alone? No, they were, they okay. were with a couple other people. Okay. Yeah. There was a group of three. And so that was, that's good. That's always yeah. good when somebody's not alone. And if, if for nothing else, moral support and, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a group of people, maybe somebody has the gear that you need or some extra supplies or in this case, a, you know, satellite communicator, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I want to get into it about those satellite communicators. Cause it seems like it's a real, um, 
a smart thing to have on you if you're going to the wilderness at any time. It is, you know, and but there's a couple things I usually try to say about that, which okay. is they're excellent. They're they're really good things to have, you know. If you're going to be in the backcountry a lot, they're great things to have. It doesn't replace good trip planning and it doesn't <laughs> replace safety, you know. Yeah. Um pressing that button is not anything that somebody wants to do and it's still important that somebody plans you know, I like to say that plan as if you don't have that. Plan as if search and rescue doesn't exist. You know, of course we do, and we want to come help you, but we want we want folks to be self-sufficient out there. We want people to have that extra day or two food supply, that extra couple layers, good first aid kit, that way of if something happens, uh, assessing the situation and seeing what needs to happen. And, of course, you know, if if you can't get out or if you're having a, a medical issue or if you're lost and you know that, it, um, that you need some help, they are, they really are a good tool. If you don't like those, get a whistle. If there's somebody out in the back country, get something loud. <laughs> somebody else might be able to help you out or they might have one of those things too. So don't forget the old school stuff, you know, we're, right. we're all about that. We're not, we're not just all about the tech. We like, we like whistles. We like other things like that. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong with an old-fashioned whistle. And they t- tend not to uh, be too faulty. Like, no, nah, uh, they work great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as long as somebody hears you, you know. Absolutely. Um, so let's see here. Um, what – my thought just escaped me. Yeah. While we're here, and it, it is currently 4.14, um, you are tuned into Everything Under the Sun, the Soper Sun's weekly radio, radio program right here on KDNK. Uh, this week, we are speaking with uh, Mr. Jeff Turry of the West Elk Mountain Rescue, about two recent rescues um, on September 29th and September 30th. Yeah. And in the meantime, my thought came <laughs> back to me. <laughs> um, uh, can you tell us again what time of day you went out on this rescue and then what time you returned, so how long it took? Yeah, so we started assembling about 2 p.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it takes a couple hours to get up there and to get all the gear organized and team organized. And so I think we were on the trail by 5 p.m. And then we were back down in Marble, which is, you know, our first first civilization, closest civilization at a, about 11 p.m. 11 or 11.30 p.m. So it was, you know, it was about a 10-hour mission yeah. total. Does that make it more stressful when you're working at night and in the dark? It does. It adds a layer of complexity. Uh, you bring an extra headlamp. You make sure that you have enough light. Obviously, that becomes important. But, you know, we, we function pretty well in the in the nighttime as long as you, you know, we have folks who know the terrain and have plenty of light. Yeah. And I'm sure that, like, the stress is increased when it's at night for not just you, but the person that must make it even worse. Yeah. You know, that's that, that is, I think that's tough on folks, you know, just think about what your thoughts are like at night, you know? And (laughs) (laughs) so for people who go through that, I think the nighttime adds a layer of complexity. We, we we function pretty darn well in the nighttime. So for the team, it's relatively similar. And for lighting, you're just, you're working with headlamps, mostly headlamps, keeps your hands free. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and let's see here. So can we go into, unless there's anything else you'd like to add about that rescue, we'd love to ask you about the, yeah, go the for other it. one. Yeah. Um, tell us about the second rescue, where it occurred and how, what the time difference was between uh, that and the first rescue. Yeah. So this one was a lot shorter. Okay. Uh, so the call came in from this one. There was a, you know, a hiking group of three again. Okay. And, and one so of them, where was this? This was on Ruby anthracite trail, which is accessed on Kebler pass. Okay. So they weren't too far in, they were a mile or two in. And, uh, one of the hiking party had, you know, some sort of unknown medical emergency, mm-hmm. you know, was kind of keeled over on the trail. And actually another group came up behind cause this person was in the back of their group and noticed this person and I believe it was actually that that group that had the the phone that ended up calling. And so that that call went to North Fork EMS, you know, our local uh EMS over in the North Fork where most of us live, Paonia Hotchkiss. Okay. It's the closest access to Kebler even though we're in that's Delta County. And so they got up there before we did. You know, they had a really a great response time. They're a great group of folks. And they, they actually started hiking in and they got there and started treating the patient. And then they brought with them a little stretcher, you know, kind of a portable Mm. stretcher. Yeah. And so our team was, was booking it, getting there. Uh, but they wanted to get started, which is great. And so they started hauling them out just on a regular stretcher, which is, (laughs) it's a lot of work. (laughs) So we met them about halfway down the trail and transferred them into the wheel litter. Okay. And then we can move pretty fast and get them back to the ambulance at the trailhead. Cool. Is this level of like community response normal or was this more of a rarity? Oh, it's pretty normal. You know, I'd say that a lot of our calls, uh, involve either another search and rescue team or North Fork EMS or another EMS ambulance service or the fire department. And, and it's, it's really beneficial. It's really great. Like, you know, the teams over here, we worked with mountain rescue Aspen plenty of times, great group of really skilled folks. Uh, a lot of these calls happen right near our County lines, you know, and, and search and rescue, is is by county so it's kind of funny you know it's when you're hiking you're not thinking about what county you're hiking in you know and so you'll you'll cross around and so we'll end up in shared missions or if they have some capabilities that we don't or if we do and they don't and they or they need some extra hands uh we'll call you know those those sheriff's departments will coordinate and call in mutual aid from another county and you know if there's a medical component especially an urgent medical component you know, probably an ambulance is involved and maybe one of the helicopter services, Flight for Life, uh, Care Flight, Classic Air, or even the uh, State Fire Department or uh, National Guard. So this really is just a lot of w- people in and out of communities working together to make sure that we're safe in the area? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is community-led efforts, all volunteer, trying to work together. You know, we're not we're not a big, fancy, funded team. We just, we rely on, you know, the skill and willingness of our people and, and calling in support when we need it, you know. I'm assuming that there's quite a bit of uh, like camaraderie, um, among the, um, uh, your team or among the rescue team. Yeah, it's great. 
you know, it's, it's a, it's a, you, you run into some great bonding experiences. <laughs> yeah. And helping people out of those situations, I'm sure it kind of bonds you and, yeah. uh, um, and, but it must take a certain kind of person to also, um, trust themselves and, and also to, and to be trusted by their, uh, the people that they're working with to fulfill these types of missions. Yeah. It takes a certain type and it takes all types, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've got really important members to us who never go in the field, you know, whether it's because of an injury or just they've done it enough years and those knees just aren't working as well as they used to. Uh, and they'll, they'll run really important functions like communication and radios, helping with the vehicles that we have. There's a lot of things behind the scene that are super important to a team and that, that really take all kinds. Hmm. Um, as you said that the organization officially started, in, was it 1996? I believe it was 96. Yeah, I'm pretty is, sure. Is there anyone uh, who's been around since its inception who's still on the team? We've got a, a couple who might be close. Okay. I don't know if we have anybody that goes all the way back. Phil Volkhausen is probably our most senior member, you know, and he's he's been around a while and he's got some years, but he's still got just the legs of a mule. Hmm. guy can go anywhere and i also like with that experience uh i'm sure they're um providing a lot of knowledge to the younger members who are joining and may know the land uh um almost best oh big time you know i have this title called president but really it's a pretty (laughs) horizontal team and you're looking to the people with the skills and the knowledge and the background and and just trying to to put that together, you know, a, a lot of, you know, on the outside search and rescue looks, looks like a lot of fancy rope work and things like that. But really, it, again, it just comes down to good teamwork and good decision-making skills. So that brings up the question, what exactly does the term president entail? <laughs> Coming and talking to y'all, you know, <laughs> showing up at the meetings, trying to, to help out and uh, trying to help make some decisions. But we try to keep it, you know, pretty broad and, and uh, pretty democratic when we can, you know, as far as our decision making process. And, you know, somebody's got to have that title. So are there any moments of like brevity or laughter during a rescue or is it pretty uh serious and intense oh there definitely are i think you'd probably hear the same from any search and rescue team or any medical services provider you know it's it's pretty essential first there are funny moments there are there is plenty of lightness and you know for example, this the the ankle call, the first one on September 29th, mm-hmm. uh, that hike in was absolutely beautiful. You know, just yeah. peak leaf season in the most beautiful backcountry. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying it while you're out there, you know. So, hmm. yeah. um, And now both of these people ended up uh, being okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You well, know, we try not to pry too much after they after they move on past our services, but they, they seemed all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that yeah. is, that's uh, great news and yeah. sounds like two successful missions. Um, is there anything else uh, regarding either of those missions that you'd like to share with listeners or? I'd say that in both cases, the information that we got from the reporting parties was great. Um, that, you know, when we get a call and we get the information that, okay, here's what happened, here's the injury, 
are they backpacking or are they hiking? It helps us know like what gear they have, how long they can stay out there safely. What, you know, what level of injury do we need to be calling a helicopter? Because this is a really serious uh, life-threatening or limb-threatening emergency that requires a fast response. Or can we go for a, you know, a safer, more methodical ground mission? Uh, so, so we had great information on both of those, and that was kind of a linking characteristic. So would you say that specificity is king? <laughs> it, that specificity is really, really helpful. You know, um, the information that somebody provides, we want to know about the terrain, we want to know about the weather, and most importantly, we want to know about the condition of the person, you know, what gear they have on them, what colors they're wearing, uh, are they with other people? And oftentimes this one comes up. If somebody calls in on a satellite communicator that has tracking, is that device staying with them or was it a passing party that helped them get word out and then moved on? Cause sometimes we have the ability to track them. And if that thing starts moving, we start wondering what's going on. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, um, now, both of these rescues, and we only have a couple minutes left, but yeah. they were out of cell range. What is the extent with these devices, like a Garmin um, or the iPhone 14, which has this GPS built in? Uh, what's the extent of how much they can communicate? Is it by text, or is it can they? Uh, it's are they, is it by voice? It's text. Okay, and it's usually slow text. Okay, you know, I've I've experienced anywhere from getting communication where the message comes through in five minutes. I had one, I've had a few that came through the next morning, you know, so you can't always count on it being fast. I don't know what happens up in space, you know, something happens with those satellites or, uh, so it's, it's just text. There's, there's a limit of characters. So we, we want people to be brief, uh, but we can usually communicate back to them as well. Okay, great. Uh, so, um, well, anything else uh, before we let you go? We have a little less than two minutes that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go, Jeff. Yeah, well, we, we mentioned, you know, folks getting ready for winter. And winter is, a you know, we want people to be prepared in the backcountry in winter. If you think about uh, if you're ready to go and you're assuming that you're going to be moving the whole time, you wear a certain set of clothes. But imagine what happens if you're laying down. You know, do you have a second pair of clothes? Are you going to stay dry? All those things. Think about those things in winter you know, want people to know about our team. You can find us at westelkmountainrescue.org. Uh, if you're looking to be, to learn more about us or donate, you know, we, we run off donations of, of money or an old vehicle, that sort of thing. So we're, we're here for you. Fantastic. And a shout out to uh, Garfield County Search and Rescue, Mountain Rescue Aspen and, you know, Crested Butte and Western, our other Gunnison teams, all great teams that you have in this area. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you so much again for joining us today, Mr. Uh, Jeff Turry, president of the West Elk Mountain Rescue. Uh, again, folks, if you want to find out more about West Elk Mountain Rescue, uh, go to their website, westelkmountainrescue.org. And remember, uh, there are these devices that can help save you in the wilderness or help call for help i should say um however and as um jeff pointed out earlier plan as if uh, search and rescue doesn't exist and that these types of satellite commu- um devices do not exist <laughs> plan ahead that's right thank you so much jeff yeah thanks y'all